Milan, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away. Whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that. A pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way. Bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around. Corner, pocket, cash for Lund. Guess who's back? to chew on the first opening weekend of UMAC play is in the books. It's time for overreactions. It's time to get really emotional about all these teams across the board. Ryan, alongside Wyatt, as always, Wyatt, we are talking just over 48 hours removed from when Saturday contest across the UMAC wrapped up and oof, we have a lot to get to. But first off, how you doing? I'm good, man. You know, I things could be a lot worse, as I always say. You know what I mean? I mean, we're very fortunate to be in the position yeah. we are. So, uh, and honestly, I mean, you see the news about people. I know you're a college football fan. I mean, that Mike Leach stuff that's going on. I mean, obviously, you're praying for him and his family. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. So, to be in the spot we're in, uh, I feel very fortunate on a night like tonight, as I'm sure you do. And, uh, yeah, I'm just ready to talk some hoops and really break this down. You mentioned overreactions. Man, I'm uh, I. I I got plenty of them, huh? so I'll try to keep them to just a few because uh, we don't want to get too crazy with it, but that's what we like to do after the first couple of games is really overreact, break some things down, and there's going to be plenty to talk about, that's for sure. So I think maybe the hardest question that we'll have, Wyatt, in this recording is where do we start? Yeah, so how about, because, you know, we are shooting from the hip here. You know, there wasn't much game prep, game planning here for this one. How about just quickly just going over, and we'll mention this when we do it on the men's and women's sides, but our overall, like, fantasy scores and just standings, just to get that out of the way, because that's something we can do really quick here. So if we look at that, and Mr. Bauman has updated the spreadsheet on the men's Yep, shout out to Bauman. We'll we'll, we'll be shouting him out all year long for all the work he puts in. You got off to a huge lead on the men's side, 391 to 268. Granted, I mean, my guy who I would assume is going to be my best player if he comes back is Cade Carroll. I kind of took a huge risk on him. If he ends up not playing, I'll I'll gladly take the L, I guess, Ryan. I mean, my whole game plan was that he would come back and kind of pick up the slack. So you got a big lead there. You got a couple of guys that really did some nice things. Overall, though, a lot of balance on your team. And then if we go to the women's side of things and we look at the uh, scores, uh, it's tight. I got a 248 to 228 lead on you. And uh, a lot of, uh, for the most part, fairly even scores all across the board. So uh, that's just a quick fantasy perspective. As far as predictions go, uh, I, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a better year, honestly, after the first week and some of the mayhem, I'm not so sure because there was a lot of surprising results, but overall, uh, we go back to the, uh, the day on Friday night and, uh, overall, uh, on the women's side, you went just one for three on uh, Friday night. Did you realize that? I, I I'm not trying to call that. you out. I, I'm not I trying did. to call you out, but... <laughs> And, and I mean, I wasn't much better. I was two for two. So we were not very good on Friday night. We kind of bounced back. I went four and oh on uh, Saturday and then you were two for two. So overall on the women's side, uh, I was uh, six and two and you were uh, three and five. What, what do you got to say about that? 
not great. Need to be better. <laughs> That's what I have yeah, to hey. say about it. But, <laughs> but I would argue it is actually going to get better as the season goes. Not that there's unpredictability, but sometimes why these opening weekend matchups are such a wild card. And there's always a, at least one, if not two, upsets, if we want to call it that, that we didn't see coming. But I look back on it. I look at the process, Wyatt. I look at the rationale, and I wouldn't change anything. I would ride into these matchups the same way, so I'm not overreacting. I'm not getting over emotional. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna stay. You know, I can't talk at this time of the night. We're gonna stay steady, Eddie. We're not gonna get too high. Not gonna get too low. Stick to the process. For for those listening, we are recording a little bit later. It's not as late as like our instant reaction pods, but we do tend to sometimes get off track when we record this late at night. So me and Ryan are going to do our best. No promises to stay on track. I'm sure we'll go down a couple of rabbit holes at some point. But uh, speaking of, you know, things, you know, getting better, you go to the men's side. It, it was better for you on the men's side. Both days you went three and one each day on Friday and Saturday. I was 3-1 and one on Friday. Both of us missed the North Central Morris pick. And Morris, I mean, holy cow, we uh, we missed them twice because they went 2-0 and on the week, and we'll talk a lot about them tonight. And then uh, on Saturday, you went 3-for-1 as well. I was 2-for-2, two two, which I thought for sure I picked North Central over Crown, which obviously I didn't because Bauman didn't put it into the <laughs> spreadsheet wrong. But I checked on that score late in the day, and I remember seeing it and thinking I was excited. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then I misread the spreadsheet, too, is the worst part. Because when I looked at the spreadsheet, I looked at the women's side accidentally and saw I did pick North Central. So the whole time, I was thinking, okay, I picked North Central. I got the win. And then I went back and checked. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. I guess I picked Crown. So uh, that was the one difference that we had. And that's where you got the edge there. So overall, uh, when you add that up, you know, on the men's side, you're you're winning at 6-2 to two compared to just 5-3 for three for me. But then uh, I make up for that six for two for three for five on the women's side and uh, if you add all of that up uh you get let's do this math say some door numbers no it's at the top white you're you're 11 wins five losses oh, there we 11 go. and five i am nine and seven overall never never have been great at reading spreadsheets but we got it right there <laughs> and he had it all for us the whole time and i was reading the green and red so there you go but anyways uh you are correct sir there's just our quick little predictions update fantasy update Anything else to add to that before we actually break down these matchups? We can sprinkle in stuff as we go if you want. I was going to say if you want to call out any of uh, your guys or gals on your fantasy squad or to uh, call them yeah. higher, as we like to say, and say we need a better out of you, but we, we can sprinkle that in throughout as well. I was going to say I'm sure that will come up during the matchups themselves. So uh, why, why don't we start on the women's side and go back to Friday night. Uh, not a huge surprise. Northwestern took care of Crown. North Central in a close one over Morris, which uh, we were different on that one. Northland, though, took care of Martin Luther. That might have been the win of the night. And then Superior handling Bethany Lutheran uh, or was by that, 15. Or was, or was that the win of the night? I think because of the way they won, you could probably make a case for the Jackets. I mean, shout out to Coach Carpenter again for joining us on the pod, and then they go out there this first weekend and put up that kind of an effort. Pod pod boost. Pod boost. There it is. I guess because I remember last year we were trying to figure out if it was a curse or if it was a good thing. I guess this year it's off to a good start. But, yeah, let's start there because, honestly, did did you or you think anybody really anticipate a 15-point win, and how did Superior do it, I guess? Yeah, you know what, White? I don't think really anyone, if they're being honest, could expect a 15-point win and not just a 15-point win, but scoring darn near 80 points on the road. And we talked about it, some on the mic and some off the mic as well, just you know, trying to paint that picture of, you know, she said it, I'm a 24-year-old, 
going on the road to face a guy like Coach Jones, who's been around for a long time and a really good program over the last multiple years. I mean, heck, Wyatt, Emily knew it as a player. You know, she was talking about the success she had at Superior, but during the end of her run is when Bethany started to get on their little bit of a run for the past couple years is when she was a point guard on the floor. So she knows how good Bethany is and what level that they've been at. And, yeah, I mean, to do that in the way that they did it, like you said, Wyatt, so, so impressive for them. And we can maybe get into more how much is this, you know what, Bethany maybe isn't at the level that you and I expected and so many expected. And clearly there is a little bit of a maybe drop-off is too harsh of a word, but there is a change, obviously, that takes place when yeah. you lose an All-American and Hannah Geisfeld. I mean, there's no getting around that whatsoever. But, I mean, Coach Carpenter wasn't shy about it when she talked about it last week, Wyatt. I mean, there's no secret. We're going to be up in your face we're going to be pressing throughout the game or darn near the whole game as much as we can, and we're going to try to create havoc. And, you know, for what it's worth, job well done. Bethany turned it over 19 times. Yep. But Superior no, I, Superior also turned it over 19 times, so that's a wash. I mean, the, the but, turnover but battle's a wash. But that's just it, Ryan. If you're forcing 19, you can afford to maybe give up a couple of sure. more, which you would anticipate on the road like that, too. So that's where the press does come into play. I'm not going to jump that far, though, and say that there's that big of a drop-off. I mean, there might be, but what was a big key in this game, too? Foul trouble. I mean, look at Haley Meyer, Ryan. She only yeah. played 14 minutes in oh, this game, fouled out. It. So can't have, can't have too much of that this year. Well, hey, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's that's why She's I hold a slim lead, I guess. Yep. First overall pick, and that was that was a tough performance for you to get things started there. But uh, yeah, I mean, she can't be putting up two points, uh, fouling out and shooting one for six. I think that's just kind of the reality. And I, I mean, like most teams in the conference, I think depth is a big question mark for Bethany. So to me, if they get in foul trouble, like we socks, there was other girls in foul trouble throughout the game as well are they going to be able to win many games? And honestly, from what we saw against Superior and a 15-point loss, I'm not so sure you can say they can. Yeah, that's a great point, Wyatt. I mean, you mentioned it. Taryn Christensen is someone who played with Hannah for a number of years and is really experienced. She had four fouls and didn't even play 25 minutes either, so that is a great point to look at. And I think this just all goes to the narrative that you know we were talking about with Coach Carpenter and that we've talked about with all the coaches we've interviewed this season on the women's side it's so tight it's so open and you know sometimes you could say we're just throwing that out there just because oh we're UMAC supporters and we want to make it seem like the picture is painted in a way where it's going to be really tight just so the brand is all better and no one's running away with it but I mean it's the truth more than what we've seen at all in the past and you know I don't know how much more you have on this one but the one you mentioned before it in Northland taking down Martin Luther goes to that same narrative as well but I mean just to wrap it on, you know, Superior wide. if you would tell Jacket fans back in literally the first week of August, excuse me, they didn't even have a coach named Wyatt. They did not even yeah. have a coach named mm-hmm. for who would be the coach of their program, and we're getting to, like, the end of summer. If you were to tell them at that point in your conference opener, you're going to go at Bethany, a team last year who was the number one seed co-regular season champs alongside Northwestern. You're going to go in that gym, and you're going to win – by 15 points, you're going to say, okay, I got about nine questions. And starting off is who in the world is leading this program? So, again, I don't want to pass this by without, you know, saying that straight up. Remove the players, Wyatt. Remove all the numbers that we talked about. Players win and lose games, and they're the ones on the floor, okay. But I, 
the, I, I can't get over it. Just think about it. A 24-year-old on the sidelines doing that in her first ever UMAC game. It's hard it's, to fathom. It, it is. I mean, just the fact that she's on the sidelines as the head coach at 24. I mean, uh, she's got to be the youngest coach. Is there a way to look that up, you think, in, in in all of college basketball at any level? Do you think she's probably the youngest? Now, I, I would... now it's getting interesting because there could be like a, a junior college school in the middle of Missouri who has a 23 that's, I mean, that's true. That's why I'm wondering. I don't think we can fact check this and look this up, but I would say she's, close. she's not the youngest. She's close. There you go. We can guarantee that. So another just padlock stat for you from that game, 7 for 13 from beyond the arc for Superior. Yep. So, again, if you shoot, you shoot over 50%, you're going to win the majority of your game. So it, it was a very impressive performance. To me, that is the win of the night on uh, Friday night. And then the way they even came on Saturday, took care of business again. Martin Luther, a successful 2-0 for Superior this weekend. And uh, Kaylin Christian, hey, she was solid with the 19-18 and 18 in the two games. So I like that balance for my fantasy team. I still think there's a little bit more there. But again, she didn't necessarily have to either, which is kind of the nice luxury there. There was other people stepping up. So as that team continues to mold and get better and they figure out what their nucleus is, they're going to be a very fun team to watch uh, as the season progresses. I like what I see from them after the first two games. Yeah, and Brighton Kukowski, I mean, she's going to get it together soon. I mean, those numbers are going to just keep going up. I'm, I'm not, you know, getting too upset or too worried. I'm, I'm patient. It's going to come, okay? And it's Sound not going to come to the level of Christian for where you picked her, but uh, Kukowski is going to start to do some stuff as well. Speaking well, of, Wyatt, you mentioned the Knights, unless you want to say anything more on Superior. I didn't want to say anything more on Superior. If you have a segue to the Knights, go ahead. Well, you, you mentioned how they followed up the win in Mankato Friday night with going to New Ulm on Saturday night and taking down Martin Luther. Yeah. Disappointing opening weekend at home for the Knights, Wyatt. I mean, you were yeah. talking them up a lot. I mean, what what are your thoughts? I was talking them up a lot. Wait just a minute here. I'm, I, I, I think that's the other way around, isn't it, Ryan? I, I, yeah. I mean, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong here. Let's look at the standings <laughs> predictions here. Oh, look at that. Ryan has him at four. White has him at seven. I, I don't know. Let's let's put it this way. Uh, Miranda Wagner happened on Friday night, scoring yeah. 35, number one over, or not scoring 35, 35 fantasy points, though. And uh, number one overall pick delivers Northland a big win. Big but sign relief abs- for you. Yep, 10 to 24 from the I field. I needed to see that. Just just 20, the fact that I'm, I'm points, seeing that ball. 23 points, 10 boards. Mm-hmm. Yep, and... and I, Almost most importantly, wide. I'm sorry, one last thing to spit out. She didn't turn the ball over once. That matters, too, mm. for fantasy. It does. It does, and just their success as a team as well. I mean, that's a huge win for that program, and we won't say a ton more on Northland just because, you know, then on Saturday, Bethany uh, took out their uh, pain and just frustration basically on Northland from what happened on Friday night, but that that is the kind of performance that they're going to need from Wagner all year long, so that's a huge well, win for Northland. And, and not just Wagner, White. They had three players get a double-double on the road in that win for Coach Phillips's club. Alex Espinoza, let's not forget about her. She went for 27 and 13, even better than Wagner. And then Ashley Lopez, 12 and 10. So we talk about first-year head coaches going on the road to open up their tenure at said program, and this being the Lumber Jills that we're talking about for Northland. Uh, Coach Phillips, round of applause for for Northland for doing that. And I know what happened Saturday, like you mentioned, but... Yeah, finger snaps. That's a good one. That brings me back to like 
fourth grade, or was that like a seventh grade thing? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so just just keep going. Ignore ignore me. Yeah, so job well done, Coach Phillips in Northland. I mean, we have already seen why. We talked about it a little bit last week, a few weeks ago, but I've already seen marketed signs of improvement for that program. Where is it going to go? I don't know, but I did not think uh, the night squad that I've been so high on, and uh, we'll maybe get to that in a second. You'll well, no, let's to let's that, get but... to it right now. Let's get to it right now because I don't have a whole lot to say about them, but you need to do some more explaining and just kind of talk about what went wrong because, like you yeah. said, this was a huge chance for them this weekend to make a couple of statements. I mean, remember, when you look at our preseason predictions, the conference preseason predictions, neither of the teams they played are in the top, you know, three that we kind of think are at the head of the conference, and things change. But granted, that means the schedule is probably only going to get tougher from here, and they're 0-2 to start. So what went wrong, and what do they need to do? Yeah, very uh, tough questions, Wyatt. No, but <laughs> so, I mean, with Martin Luther, it's tough, too, because you open at home as well. And like you said, two games that when we look at the schedule, we think are pretty winnable, and it's early, and I get that. But we could look back at this weekend and say missed opportunity. And the big talking point for why I had them so high is all the experience that they had back and the scoring that they were showing early on in this season and following up what they did to close the stretch a season ago and you know you put up 74 on Friday night and then you followed up on Saturday and the losing effort like you mentioned and you put up 42 so I mean that is obviously two totally different tales and you know shout out to Superior again for what they did to neutralize Martin Luther in that matchup because they cough it up 20 times so Superior I mean if you're going to full court press you got to come up with something. They turned the opposition over 19 times and then 20 times. They they turned it over 19 and 18 times. So I've said a lot of big turnover numbers, Wyatt, and I hate to break it to you, we're not done because there is a, at least one mm. game that I saw with mm. my own two eyes this weekend where the numbers were even north of that with uh, good basketball teams, and the, the ball was being turned over quite a bit. So, I you know, that could just be some early season stuff, but, man, the, the three-point shooting wasn't close to there, especially on both nights is what – you know, jumps off the page to me. And, you know, the offensive talent that we saw to start the year and stuff that I believed in and is not over, it's not there. You got to shoot better. And at home, you would have liked to think if you would have told me that they're going to do what they did against Northland on Friday night and they're going to put up 74 points, I'll say I'll take my chances. So maybe it's a one-off for Northland. That's a big question too. Are we going to see anything close to that again where they put up 80-plus points? on the road in the UMAC. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you know, the good news is, based on what you said, a lot of it's fixable to a certain extent. I mean, if you can't shoot the ball, the reality is you can't, and then you're, you're not going to be able to fix that. But I believe they can, and they just got to start making some of those shots. And so I think they can find ways to still build off this. They got a couple of non-conference games now with this break before conference play starts back up again. Let's see what they do with those opportunities and if they can bounce back strong. Remember, I mean, things change on a week-to-week basis, especially at the Division Three level. So certainly can't write them off, but it was uh, absolutely a disappointing start. Let's talk about a, a team in one of the games that you did get to call on Friday night, which was Northwestern against Crown. And, uh, well, uh, it, it, was this what the box score suggests, Ryan? 
Say more, please. What do you mean by that? Like, is the box score The misleading? box score suggests that this was a Sarah McLaughlin special. Do you know what a Sarah McLaughlin special is? you got to give me a, a bigger hint than that. You ever seen the commercials with, like, the dogs, and they're like, you know, you need to adopt this dog, oh, and oh, there's the a sad music, oh, yeah, yeah. and, yeah, the singer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and now it's I'm just sad, and everybody's... Is that what this game was? Because it looked like it was never really close. I mean, I guess they were tied at the end of one in the Northwestern Pullaway, but statistically, Crown shot 16 for 57, 5 for 25 from deep. Like, oh, just not a not a great showing on the road. It ends up being a 23-point loss. Or was it something more than that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was finally tracking with you. I was going to say that that name sounds very familiar. I just could not pinpoint who Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> I, I stole the reference, by the way. I didn't come up with that on the spot, but I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm a thief of great ideas and great scenes. So what I said coming in is Latsky and Hecox are two names, you know, for a number of reasons that I was keeping an eye on. I'm surprised they didn't get more looks earlier. They had foul trouble early that they had to deal with, and then when Northwestern wanted to turn it on, Wyatt, their pressure was giving them fits. I mean, they turned it over 21 times crown, but it feels like it could have easily been more than that if the game had been close still, you know, midway through the third quarter-ish. The Eagles probably would have kept on more pressure, and, you know, they just never really felt a rhythm, to be honest. It was a lot of late shot clock stuff, and crown just never really got comfortable, and I was surprised. I know she, you know, ended the night along with uh, Martius and Latsky with 10 field goal attempts. But Maddie Hecox went possession after possession, it felt like, without even touching the ball. Like, she wouldn't bring the ball up the floor. She's away from the ball, even in sets where Latsky was on the bench, and I was just confused. I was very confused. Like, what hmm. what was going on with Coach Tussler's club? So, Are you questioning the, the first-year <laughs> head coach? I, I don't know. I don't know what his uh, whole scheme and uh, stuff is going on, which – I, you know, I, I'm kind of stuck on this now, Wyatt, and we know the guy who uh, sometimes did this, and he wasn't there Friday, I can assure you that, but the attendance number that I'm looking at right now for this game, uh, <laughs> let's just say. I, <laughs> We're going to get back into the attendance discussion. I don't know if Whoa, I can. Uh, <laughs> I, do we even, can we even fit, can we even fit that many into the gym? A 622? <laughs> I've never seen 622 people in the Erickson Center in my life. Isn't can it get a thousand? What's the capacity? I don't know. I like 800. I guess if people are standing on the track, it just doesn't seem. It seems small when you're in there. Well, I guess, but and I'll tell you, by the point we got to the back half of Friday night, that's why I kind of <laughs> question. Okay, question what enough. we're looking at also. So like like fair Wyatt enough. stated earlier, and I'm glad you know why you said this disclaimer, so people can't be too surprised that we could get on a some rabbit holes so that's true i think we're doing a good job still for the most part we're doing a good job we're not going to get too loose here i'm going to see if i can get a number real quick of what the the maximum size is this says according to this it says uh, 1500 is the capacity so yes apparently you can sit a lot of people in the ericsson so i just that that is remarkable that's remarkable say here's here's something i'll say about this game from northwestern (laughs) standpoint really the weekend as we're trying to get back on track here a little bit but uh I think it's really encouraging for Northwestern. I still don't think Rachel Lambig is playing her best basketball She's yet, not, right? Nope, I mean, nope. just imagine once she starts to, and with the way Hagen played, I mean, congrats to her. Shout-out player of the week on the women's side. Well-deserving, too, with the double-double Friday night and just pouring in the points. So I think this team is really dangerous and is kind of starting to slowly, at least early in the year, again, we like to overreact, but from the initial scene, 
uh, I would say they seem to kind of be the favorite early on, especially if she can start playing like she's capable of. And the depth that they have, I mean, would you agree from being able to watch them a couple of times in conference play now and just from what you know from them? Yeah, Wyatt, those are some great points. I'd say depth, especially with what they got with the guards that they can roll and the ones that they really trust even off the bench. I mean, Allison Terry as a freshman has been really good, all you can ask for. And then Riley Hershey, a player that you drafted coming off the bench as well. I mean, they didn't even have a great shooting weekend overall. And, I mean, they're just 5 of 20 from deep in that win over crown. They didn't even do a lot of things as well as they could have done. But a player that we haven't really talked about a lot and haven't mentioned that looks like literally a different player altogether and like what happened from November opener against Luther that I'm thinking back to that's why I'm pausing in the game against the uh, first couple think, games you didn't you didn't forget the name did you that's no, what I, I was starting to think I'm no, like who is it so, you're keeping me in suspense you remember Rio it's it's her it's her younger sister which I know is probably oh not yeah, yeah. To you. Mm-hmm. so anyway yeah. uh she was really good both games this weekend too just as a presence down low and inside so she had some good performances as well so shout out to her but they're not even reaching yet the level they can reach and to get a comfortable win over a crown club where we had some questions but we thought you know both you and I said they're going to pull away about midway through the third quarter and that wasn't too far off but two really nice wins to start the weekend where honestly being in person I can say I don't think they played better than a B level maybe even B minus either one of those games like there is still multiple steps up that they could take I think that is all you could ask for if you're an Eagle supporter with everything that you lost a season ago and all the unknowns that you had coming in I said it wide and I was telling you and other people have said it too and coach Grove even told it to us I believe when he was talking about the conference as a whole when we talked to him before the season there's still talent there meaning at Northwestern like we don't know how it's all going to come together, but it's not like Coach Call's looking around and saying, I just don't have the ability with these players. And experience does matter in college basketball, obviously, and we see that at every level, but there's definitely the talent at Northwestern. And I'll stop rambling along, but Lexi's numbers could be even bigger. Both games, she was super efficient, and especially Saturday against Morris. I know we'll maybe talk about that more in a little bit when we talk about Morris, but yeah. both of those squads had a concerted effort to limit her attempts, and they both did a pretty good job of that but she still was ultra-efficient on less shots than I expected her getting coming in, and she still put up the numbers like you mentioned. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, theoretically, just from you know what we usually see, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever sport it is, you would think the team's only going to get better as the season goes on, or at least that would be your hope. So I think Northwestern's sitting in a really good position right now. Let's talk about that second game against Morris and then we can kind of segue into them because like you said a lot of turnovers not really what you expected necessarily you got to watch this one in person so what were your thoughts I'll just defer to you because again you're right there on hand being able to watch in person so thoughts on the game and then also what's what's going on with Morris in your opinion now granted I thought they'd start 0-2 but uh, is there anything that should be alarming yeah, I, that is good to mention, Wyatt, that you're, you're not surprised at all. I mean, this is exactly how you drew it up. And both you and it I is. still still think they're going to finish near the top. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Wyatt, I don't care what level you're playing at. JV, ninth grade team in the back gym at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday, you know, Saturday mornings as five-year-olds and what whatever. You, you turn the basketball over 28 times, it's going to be tough to win any game at any type of level and they still were in it for a lot of it because Northwestern turned it over 22 games or 22 times excuse me 
just yeah. sloppy basketball for most of it. I mean, there's really no way getting around it. It was a grind is the best way I can describe it, and there was not a lot of flow to the game, and Northwestern found ways to do enough defensively to, you know, cause Morris into a bulk of those turnovers, but also Morris made mistakes that they wish they could get back. One thing I got to say, just being honest, especially later on when it was somewhat tight, I'm surprised Morris didn't ratchet up their pressure more defensively because it gave Northwestern some fits last year in the games that I saw them play against each other during the season, especially the game at Morris. I'm surprised we didn't see more of that in the press they have where they bait you near the half-court line. But they got experience, and we keep saying that coming in and eventually come around. And a week ago, Wyatt, when we're sitting here, that's what I was saying. But uh, it's tough to not be at least a little disappointed, and I think I'll just leave it there and not say you know all the red alarms are going off at this point and there's panic mode because – you're trusting that that experience is going to figure it out when in about in a month UMAC play starts back up again. And what they have going for them, Wyatt, that Martin Luther doesn't, that I mentioned a few minutes ago, these are both on the road. So you know the adage in sports, Correct. you're not really in trouble until you start losing games at home. Well, Morris hasn't done that yet. So at least well, they have and, that going for them. And I understand, I mean, you're not that high on North Central this year, but I still think North Central is a really good team, and I don't think that's a bad loss by any means, especially in the opener. It was a close game, and then this one, too, against the team that we both kind of think might be the best team in the conference on the women's side. It's it's a total differential of minus 14 or 13 in their two losses. It's not like yeah. they're far off, and like you said, they're both on the road. So, yeah, I don't think they need to panic by any means. It was good competition, and these are not the teams we're going to see at the end of the year that's just the reality I mean you look at the stats the turnovers the lower scoring games this is not necessarily what we're going to see at the end of the year also credit to Morris for battling back after getting down in a 28 deficit at the end of yeah. the first I mean they could easily rolled over after losing on Friday night but they fought they were right there Absolutely. and just kind of lost it there in the fourth and, so and the game the way the game played out in some ways why just to quickly wrap on this it it is playing in a sort of way that they you know, they don't want to turn it over that many times. Don't get me wrong whatsoever. But we've talked about it before, and I'll say it again. They don't want to play these games where it's 75-plus, get to that number to win. I, I just yeah. I don't think they're built that way, and they want to be built that way. They can go up and down and move in a way if they're forcing turnovers and they're using that pressure. If not, they want to slow it down, make it a half-court game, make you think, set up their zone like they do in Northwestern. They just weren't phased. I mean, for a lot of it, when they got into the half court, they were getting paint touches. They were kicking it out. They were doing a lot of stuff that they wanted to do. And, again, there was a lot of shots left on the wayside where, again, they shoot under 30% from deep, and almost all those shots were really, really good looks. So there's even more room to grow for them. And I would say Morris, I mean, both those games, I don't I don't think they play better than their CC-plus level. And I'm not trying to take away from North Central, who we're going to talk about here in a moment, or Northwestern because that's not their fault. But – there's a there's more to come from this Morris team, I would say. Just just wait, be patient. Last thing I'll say about them is that uh, Haley Wolfslager, if you are listening to this, I'll need a little bit more. And it's not that she wasn't doing anything because she did score. I mean, she had seven points. She was the second leading scorer against Northwestern. But yeah, Ryan, I mean, we can't be having a touchdown for turnovers. That's that's a problem. And that goes into the 28, like you said. If I would have told you or Coach Call before the game that you're going to shoot 19 for 57, turn the ball over 22 times, uh, you think you're, you're going to win. What, what do you think the score is going to be? I, I don't think nope, not good. Uh, you'd be you'd be saying they're going to win the game. So that just tells you a little bit about 
early season basketball. You just never know for sure uh, what you're going to see. Uh, yeah, let's talk about North Central a little bit here. Your, your and then, Rams, I mean, take it away. Take it away. I was gonna say I'm more glo- than happy. Glo- I, gloat a little bit right now. I don't. I don't really. Well, hey, I tried <laughs> to tell you, and even Bauman said. I, I mean, he was somewhat high on him too coming into the year. They're the defending champs, Ryan. I mean, I feel like you got to give them some respect for that, and you just have not having them down at number six. I mean, it, where would you have them now after this first weekend? I'm curious. Does your opinion change at all? If I could re redo the one through eight. Like, like, yeah, even just after these two games. I mean, or do you still think they're going to finish around 500 or be in that six-spot Miss UMAC tournament play at this point? No, I, I would have to move them up at least one, if not a few spots, And okay. if, I'm, if I'm being realistic. I, I'll go back to the whole thing I didn't. It was just too many unknowns. That's yeah. why. Like, I'm, I'm giving credit to the DiGiorgios and the Hagstroms and the Contes and the Robinsons. Like, those are four huge names, Why We've talked about left and right the last multiple years, and they're all gone. So, like, I sit here and, like, I was wrong. Like, I'll admit I was wrong from what we've seen so far. But, like, <laughs> all those names are gone. And, I hear and, you. And Telsa's back, and she she did some good things, and she did well. And the new names is who I'm figuring out more about uh, for Coach Zabla's club. So, big credit to her. I was wrong. Egg on my face. I said that I'm Morris not, was going to go. No, I know. I know you're saying I'm not I don't have to, to say make that. You say all, yeah, no, I, but I, I it's just right. want you to be aware. I told you Morris wasn't just going to win. I said they were going to win by double digits. I do not forget what I said, and uh, they didn't. Uh, North Central won by six. And Maya Maybang is a name that I've been trying to find out more about. I think she's going to be the big factor next to Telso throughout the season. And uh, yeah, I need to become more familiar with her. It's it's going to very much be a team effort, though, I think, Ryan. Like you said, there's not necessarily the star power. I mean, yeah, you're right. Talso did put up 18 in that game. It's kind of remarkable. She had nine turnovers in that game, and, and they still found found a way to win the game. Which see, I See think what I mean? Unique. It's but a theme across all women's basketball. It is. <laughs> it is, early on. And, and it's early season basketball in general, though. You know? Like, you're just trying to figure things out, and conference play nerves, like you said. The teams know each other from the year past and Pack things like that. Crowd at Clark Danielson. I mean, all the eyes if are on it you. Was, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't check the live stream, so I don't know for sure. I, I I tried to watch and do as much as I can this weekend, but can't get them all. Uh, I I don't know. You you like to you you like to talk about Clark Danielson an awful lot. I'll just leave it there. No, we but just talked about it last week, so I had to circle back. I but know, continue. I know. Uh, going off of yeah, like I said, I mean nine turnovers from her, but they still win the game. I think that that's impressive. But team basketball, you know why I say that? Because they made twenty nine shots, nineteen of them were uh, assists, or there were nineteen assists on the twenty nine made field goals. To me, that's going to have to be a theme for them all season. They don't really have one or two players that are necessarily going to break their defender down. It's not going to be that kind of a style. I think it's going to be team. Uh, all year long, a lot of different people that can step up on any given night, and uh, I, I think I look forward to watching them and seeing what they can do as the season moves along. I, I like what I saw. They were at home, and they took care of business. I don't really have a whole lot to say in the Crown game. Crown, I think, was just disappointing from the standpoint, Ryan, that we said they could score a lot of points, and they scored 43-46, and 46. and I get it. It's two of the better teams in the conference, but that's Still. that's got to be probably the most disappointing a result of the weekend was just seeing well, them uh, you know, not be able to score. How does Hecox only have three three ball attempts in a game? I I don't know what to tell you. You're, did you're they not hear? Did they not hear what I said last week? 
What did I say? I don't think they I they probably don't aren't listening to you. Be shy. Fill in the blank what? Don't be shy. Let it fly. Let it fly. They were shy. Why are you shy? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. In a game like that, I mean well, hey, I mean, granted as a team, I mean they let it fly in the Northwestern game and I mean they were trying to do whatever they could, but uh yeah, not a great weekend for Crown. North Central took care of business. I don't have a lot to say other than that. And moving ahead, uh you're definitely gonna have to respect them and they are absolutely one of the teams here that could go back to back with how open it is. So I think we've hit for the most part. Is there anything else with a team specifically you want to touch on here? No, I mean, there's stuff left to be desired for some, like we said, but it's also early, but it's also worth tipping the cap to a couple teams as well. So would, would you stick with, I mean, when we reseeded them, I don't have my papers out here. You said Northwestern, correct? So are you feeling good about that? I, I got it up right here. I was going to say, I got it up. I did say Northwestern. And you said uh, you said Bethany Luth or, or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong one again. You said Morris. I, I'm so bad at reading spreadsheets. I don't know how I could be this bad. You said Minnesota Morris and Northwestern too. So we had those two flipped. So obviously, I'm keeping Northwestern in front of Morris. Like I said, I did expect Morris to go 0 and 2 though here on the road in a tough road stretch. So I think they will continue to improve. And uh, you must be on the spreadsheet right now, I guess. I just saw your name pop up, it looks like, or something. So that's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I would say Northwestern still my number one after this weekend. I probably would move North Central, honestly, in front of Bethany and wow. right up there next to Morris at this wow, point. what Look, an overreaction. Wow. No, no, no. Here's part of the reason. Here's part of the reason. Maybe it is an overreaction. But no, guess I'm what? Kidding. I'm kidding. You told me you wanted me or we were going to do, like, team of the week, correct? Yes. Thank you. Yes, do that. And, yep. and a part of the reason why I would move him in front of Bethany is because Bethany had a tough performance against who my team of the week is on the women's side. It has to be superior for, for yeah. their showing on the road, going into Mankato, taking care of business, and, and with a new coach who, who we're going to find out. I don't know if we will, so actually I can't say that. We're going to try and find out if she's the youngest coach in college basketball. But uh, to do what they did and just do it in the way that they did it, they have to be team of the week. So shout out to the Yellow Jackets. Uh, again, win of the the week was Friday night in Mankato. Not to take away from Northland's win over Martin Luther, too, because that, to be honest, would have been win of the week on just about any other week. But Superior came in and took care of business. So to me, they're the team of the week. Would you agree? I mean, you kind of have yeah, to, I feel like. I would. I mean... You know, age-wise, it's like you or I trying to do something on the sideline, and they actually did it in real life, not hypothetically. Hey. So. <laughs> so it gives us hope, I guess. We could do it, man, maybe, if, if we put our mind to it, I guess. But they, they deserve a ton of credit for, for the way that they took care of business. And like you said, not that they just won the game, but they won both games by double digits and really just handled it. Yep. Can't say enough. I, I would agree. So why? who caught your attention? So, who so raised he, your eyebrows on the woman's side? One yeah, player. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like it's still wide open for that player of the year race. And, but this and you weekend would, specifically. I know. I'm just saying, and you would probably agree with that. And yep. that kind of goes into what I'm saying, though, is that it wasn't like there was one dominating performance per se. I mean, what Wagner did for North Central was was huge, but she already kind of had my attention. She was my number one overall pick. I would go with Lexi Hagen and just the ability that she had, and she was player of the week on the women's side, well-deserved for her two performances. She led that team to two huge victories and got them off to the start they needed to do, and that's something I think she, she's going to be really consistent, I feel like, all year. Would you kind of agree with that? It seems like she is the one consistent thing with that team. She is going to find a way to score when they need her to. 
Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I go back to what I said. She put up those numbers, and she didn't even get a lot of attempts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. like She she could have done more, and the defenses did a good job against her, and she was still ultra-efficient. So she doesn't need to get the ball left and right to be really, really good. Yeah, so, I mean, Wagner probably had the best week overall from the standpoint of the performance she had on Friday night. Just remarkable to help them lead and get that win. But, again, she kind of already caught my attention, so it, it, it would be Hagen, I guess. But Wagner had the best week from that standpoint. All right, that's fair. You, you're not going to give me one? <laughs> I was going to say, do I have to if, say If you ask the question, I feel like you, you still have to yeah. come up with one yourself. Yeah, it's only I'm, fair. I'm, and then, and gonna, then we'll move on. I'm going to stay on the train of the Jackets. I'm going to go with an underclassman just like Lexi Hagen, the sophomore Katie Dobson for Superior and what okay. she did in both wins, starting off with the big performance Friday night at Bethany, leading the way in the scoring department for them with 18 points, only shot the ball six times, but 18 points, four boards, pair of assists, job well done, and then following it up with another good performance against Martin Luther, eight points, six boards. So, I mean, it was a collective effort for them, but my eyes were already on Lexi, like we talked about. So, And I hear you. So let's move over to the men's side then and do this, because uh, I don't think either of us has anything else to say on the women's yeah. side. I feel like that was... Uh, a pretty good breakdown. I mean, we probably would have a lot more to say, Ryan, but in reality, we just got to keep this thing moving along. Yeah, Nobody wants to hear us talk for hours. Podcast, yeah, uh, Exactly. So on the men's side, let's do what we kind of did on the women's side and I guess like break down a game, but then talk about a team more in depth and just kind of bounce back and forth between the two days. Uh, Northland took care of Martin Luther. Uh, Bethany gets a win over Superior in kind of a crazy game. Northwestern and Crown, that was uh, theoretically the game of the week on the slate. North Western gets the win, a rematch of the men's championship from a year ago. And then Morris with a huge upset on the road uh, against North Central, a team. I think it's huge because I owe them an apology. I, I was totally trashing them. For the right reasons, based off of what happened a year ago, I'm not necessarily yeah. going to apologize for that. But they did prove me wrong, and I do owe them an apology. I'll eat my crow. Two and a week for them. We'll talk plenty more about them here. But they get a big win to start things off. So where do you want to start from Friday night? So many different places that we could go. I mean, do you want to just start with the, the last one you mentioned, Morris? I'm asking you. They're make, top of your mind, the, it feels you like. Make it feels the like they're the top of your mind. So. They they deserve a lot of recognition. So yes, and, and, and you're not I mean, fading I, them anymore. You're maybe not full believing, well, but you're not fading them big time anymore. I mean, it's one of those deals where it's like if you flip a coin and it keeps landing on heads, you might just keep fading it, thinking it's got to land on tail sometime, right? So maybe yeah. I will. I don't. So know. We'll, we'll check see. back. Hey, we'll check back have, in with you in early January. How about that? Before I was going to say January games. January seventh. We'll uh, we'll we'll find out again some more about the Cougars. But well, by the way, don't they have like a really long time off now in between yeah. games or something? Which we'll we'll see how that fares for them, I guess. But. Uh, they they deserve a ton of credit for the way they performed, not just in the game against North Central, but then in the upset of the year thus far, going into the Erickson Center and beating Northwestern by double digits. They scored 60 points in the second half, which is remarkable, and we got a ton of stats we can get into from that game as well because I know we'll talk a lot about that. But o- overall, I, they, they proved me wrong. Uh, Noah Conagieser with a, a, a couple of big showings. Who, and just, who was uh, that again? Who'd you say? I don't know. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. I just want you to repeat. Who? Who? Just say your the name guy, Conagieser. 
Oh, oh, Connie Okay, I got it. Go ahead. Okay, I know when you said that, I thought I pronounced his name wrong, so then I self consciously didn't want Sorry. to say it again Sorry. No. And, and screw that up. But yes, you're right. It's your guy, and uh, he delivered. So you're you're absolutely right. He's as good as advertised. And uh, what what a couple of wins. You saw them in person. One of the two games. So let's talk about that game against Northwestern because it looked like. This was any other Northwestern Morris game we've seen in the past where Northwestern was up 12 at halftime. You figured they were just going to roll in the second half, and for a while they were still just hanging on to that double-digit lead. It, it looked like they were well on their way, and all of a sudden, Morris, just what an unbelievable end to that game. Well, I pull up what they ended the game on as far as like a run goes. Talk a little bit about what you saw and what was the biggest difference in that one and what, what impressed you most about Morris. Yeah, well, before we get into the game itself, because I can't remember if we actually, I mean, we talked about this game already off the mic in a, a number of different angles over the weekend, but did we talk about the last time Morris beat Northwestern, period? Do you know? So you know? I, I asked my brother this because I saw him this weekend. I was like, do you ever lose to Morris? And he said he did his freshman year. And I don't know if they've been beaten by him since then, because that was the only time he lost to him. And then I'm trying to think when we were there, because once he graduated, that's kind of like when I was there and you were there. I don't remember him losing to him then. So what's your guess? What year do you think was the last time? That's 2014, Saturday? probably, I, I think. Like in that time frame, that would have been his freshman year, I want to say. January 24th, 2014 in the Erickson Center hey, was the last time that? that Morris beat Northwestern. So that's like what, probably that? 15 matchups in a row, something like that. I'm counting. 18 in a row for Northwestern. Wow. They'd won 18 straight against Morris before Saturday. By the way, I pulled it up. It was 74 to 63. Northwestern was ahead with 8:33 to go. So in the final 8:33, Morris outscored Northwestern by a score of 30 to nine. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. remarkable, but but a big reason why they did, and I know this is a stat you want to get into, free throws. Holy cow. Well, Is that, that just one of those once-in-a-season type, type games for them? Northwestern sure hope so. <laughs> tell I you mean, what. 30 for, 30 for 31? How do you even do that? Well, and then versus what, I mean, I was sitting there watching the game, Wyatt, and you've watched Eagle basketball in person for longer than I have, and, you know, with what your brother did, what you were talking about. I don't, in my time, I don't remember them ever. I mean, the, the biggest one, when you bring up free throw, and in our time, the first game that comes to mind for me as far as Northwestern, four overtime game against Scholastica, my freshman yeah. year, Peter Marion. But that was one guy, and I'm not even going to say the number. because <laughs> That was that was an unbelievable but they, game. But hey, they, they still won, and here's the thing about that game. Peter had an unbelievable game. He just couldn't make a free throw first. He couldn't life. make a free throw to save his life. I, I totally remember that. And, and my brother would remember that well, too. And I'm sure Peter would remember, uh, remember it well uh, also. Because, yeah, Northwestern 5 for 15. Morris 30 for 31. That's one of the crazy stats. There's plenty of other ones. But, I, I mean, seriously, what, what was it from Morris in the second half, though, that was the difference? To me, it, one, they defended and were able to keep Northwestern from scoring. You mentioned the rebounding aspect as well. And it just honestly seemed like Morris in the second half truly was the better team, which I never thought I would say. Yeah, I want to go to you know the R word that you said, rebounding, because I talked about it on the preview pod, and I mentioned what happened last February, the last time these two played. Northwestern out-rebounded Morris, 53-37. They're plus 16. Saturday, 43-27. to 
Morris is plus 16. Why? I don't care if you've been a Cougar fan who's listening to this and you've been a Morris fan for 54 years and you can tell me everything there is about the history of Minnesota Morris basketball. Even the biggest of Morris super fans did not say you're going to go into the Erickson Center and forget the score of the game and what actually happened with them winning by 10 points and putting up 93. For you to go plus 16 in the rebounding category after what you've seen not just yourselves, but everyone else in the UMAC face when they go into the Erickson Center, like the numbers have been gaudy, if you want to put it that way, for Northwestern in the rebounding category. No one in their right mind would have said that, but it's little hussy, hussy, excuse me, hustle plays. I mean, guys like Kenny uh, Placide, who only plays 17 minutes, and I told you this off the mic, there ain't no chance, Wyatt, with the stuff that he did in that game that he's going to continue to play 17 minutes. He can't. He can't. Yeah. Number of times he out jumps Henry, out muscles Henry, out efforts Henry and Caleb and Kyle to get an offensive rebound. One sequence that I remember, especially late in the game, is uh, Paul Dak goes driving into the lane again, and he had some big buckets in the second half. Doesn't score as he's falling away, but I think Hoyleen and Fonbele were in the area. I know Fonbele was, again, on uh, play seed, and they just could not get a rebound on him to save their lives to clear it. He, like, touches the moon to go up and get a rebound, comes back down to his feet immediately. What happens often wide off of an offensive rebound? So many things do. Okay, I'll, I'll just fill it in. I just shouldn't put you on the spot. Opposition is scrambling defensively who yep. doesn't get the rebound because they're trying to go get the board. And if it's not just a straight-up putback, it's immediately a kickout. It was a kickout. And guess who mm-hmm. was there? Noah Conageser, left wing. And then who's trying to close out late? The freshman Parker Bainey, and I'm not going to get into whether it should have been a foul or not, but heavy closeout, he drains the shot, goes on his back, it's a four-point play. I mean, that little sequence from the drive from Dak to when Conageser hits his back and it goes in and it's a three-ball plus the foul, that was a microcosm of what, honestly, Wyatt, I'll hand it to you after I say this. Was it a collapse? Can I call it a collapse by Northwestern, or is that too far to say that? I'm not no, saying it is. I'm just saying, how would you describe that? I don't necessarily disagree with that. That's not my first thought when I think of the game is that this was just like an epic collapse or anything like that. Like I said, Morse outscored him 30 to 9 to end the game. And you're right, that entire sequence, which I did get to see, I watched the end of this game for like the final six minutes, that, that kind of felt like the turning point where it's like, okay, I think Morse is actually going to. Uh, win this game potentially and, and they can actually do this that's that's kind of what it felt like it almost felt like Morris felt belief after that shot went in and, and there was kind of a change uh, in that gym I don't know if you'd agree to that being in there but it kind of felt like Morris was uh, taking the game over at that point so with all that being said my biggest concern and, and to answer your question I, I guess I it was a wishy-washy answer a little bit of both like yes it, it kind of was a collapse but that's not initially what you think of I think you got to give more their credit for going and winning the game outright my biggest concern with Northwestern and we talked about this a little bit and I even brought it up at the beginning of the season on one of our preview pods who's the Noah Alm this year or the Michael Carney or the Cody Springer or somebody that's going to be the guy you look to to take shots late in the game and right now as you kind of mentioned it's by committee and maybe we disagree on this or not, I don't believe that can be the case throughout the course of a season. They're going to have to have somebody, and right now they don't have that guy where it's like we know he's the one that's going to take a shot. Like it's been Alm for the last few years. You know he's going to be the one. Everybody knew it. He knew it. 
They don't have that. And when are they going to figure out who it is, if at all? That's a huge problem moving forward and one that Northwestern basketball has not faced in like a decade. So that, to me, was what was most glaring in that uh, loss to Morris is down the stretch. It was a lot of different guys taking shots, decent looks, but they didn't have a go-to guy that they could go to. And maybe you disagree with me, but I feel like every team has to have that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Wyatt. They go up 74-61, up by 13 with just under 9 to go, and then they don't score their next bucket till a Caleb Hoyling jump shot at 348. So, I mean, mm. that's that's a long stretch where it's about five minutes. And during that stretch, and we talked about this some yesterday, but here's the thing. Like, it wasn't always just one guy, and you want to have your guy, and your point is totally valid because they've just been used to. Until you get put into a moment like that when Noah's not actually there on the floor – and you know even a wall deck to try to settle things down like it you got to figure it out on the fly they had so many good looks though and I was even watching back some of it Fuquay did everything right there's not even really a contest at the rim he misses a layup Hoylene has a super good look in the lane can't finish Henry who was fantastic in the second half has a good look in the lane can't finish it one of the first ones um that started the drought Kyle had a, a bunny. It was it was a putback or it was like a floater as he was going towards the rim, a shot that I would say he's making seven out of ten times and he doesn't make it. So it was the most bizarre thing. And then on about a third of them, they were fouled. And they're they're missing the front end of a one-and-one one, or it's a shooting foul and they're missing both of the free throws. So I think what you're saying isn't invalid. Now I want to take it a step further. Should Kyle be that guy in your opinion? Let's let's just it's, say hypothetically it's really January makeup. Let's say January 7th against North Central. It's it's a tight game late, and it's a similar situation. Let's say the Eagles are down by three with three minutes to go. Should it be Kyle gets the ball, and let's let's give him a chance to do that? Because from what you're saying, in those moments, like you you want to move the ball, and you want to do everything you know that they preach there at Northwestern. I get it, but especially late shot clock, and let's say it's even under a minute, and you're drawing up a play for a guy, if you want to put it that way. Do they have to figure out, we got to give somebody a chance to be that role? Uh, uh, Kyle's not really he's their best player all around in my opinion but he's not really that guy you know what I mean like that's not his game that doesn't really he's not the one-on-one like from the top of the key kind of guy like you could get him a post up or get him the ball in the wing or something I suppose and let him go to work I don't mind that but he doesn't really fit the the description of what I'm defining if you know what I mean so is so that more Fuquay then? Because he's got like a pull-up game and a jump shot R- game Ryan, if you want him to. Ryan, this is the problem. I don't know if there's an answer to this. Yeah. I don't know if there's a solution to the problem, if I'm just being honest. I mean, I think Fuquay is the closest to, uh, to to what I'm thinking or describing or what they need. I, do, I, I would agree with that. I think he's the closest. But at this point in time... I'm not sure if there's a solution to that. And maybe, you know, they they get to a point later in the year where they're winning games where they don't need this. But as we saw, when a lead starts to tighten up, you're going to run into this down later in the season or or even for crying out loud, the next conference game for all we know. You're going to have to have somebody or an option where you say go get a bucket. And it's been so easy for Northwestern the last decade to, to know who that guy is. And that is just something they don't know. It's uncharted water, uh, uncharted territory this year. So it's uh, it's fascinating to me to see what's going to happen there. Uh, Kyle's their best player. He doesn't really fit that description. Uh, Fuquay is probably the guy, I guess, from that standpoint. But again, it, it's tough for me to figure out for sure if that's going to be the solution. Henry was the hot hand that day with 26. It's just tough. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we do have other teams and other games to get to, but they're 
is a few things, in my opinion, I think, for Northwestern to potentially uh, be concerned about moving forward. I think there were some weaknesses uh, that were definitely exposed this this weekend. Yeah, last that I have, I mean, when you don't have an Alm anymore, you don't have a Wally, and you don't have you know Owen in the mix as well with what he did, don't want to forget about him, and mm-hmm. then you are that bad at the free throw line. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen again, it's safe to say, but will we see some more games where they are out-rebounded? That's, that's the other I thing. Want, I, mean, I want to bet on it, but it, yeah. We we talked about how good their rebounding has been, and and like you said, they they got they got out rebounded. Was were they being outworked? I mean, what what was it for for you some as somebody it, that got to watch? Some of it is, I think they flat out got outworked, and you know Kenny Placide didn't do all of it, but he's the guy that jumps off the page. And then Morris just straight up as a team did a way better job in the second half. Like, nope, Northwestern, you ain't getting second chances. So during that whole time they made that run, it was one and done. Like, it was those good looks that I'm talking about that they were missing, but then that was all they were doing. And because of that, you know, it wasn't like Morris was cherry-picking and chucking stuff ahead, but they also still found a way, a number we haven't mentioned yet, They it was 17-2 to two in the fast break. I mean, they were also plus 15 in the fast break category. So everywhere yeah. you look, they had the numbers, and I don't think this is all going to come in a storm like this. I mean, you, you tell me if I'm wrong, you think, Wyatt, but where it's all going to happen like that again against Northwestern this year. But the rebounding one is the one I circle because of how dominant I thought they were going to be against a team like Morris from what we've seen in the past and what I thought we were going to see in this one. And if they can't fall back on that, you don't have an alm to bail you out this year. This this is a kind of like an overreaction pod. So yep. again, we're we're maybe overreacting. We know it's early. Yeah. Let's let's not forget Morris is two and zero. Northland was two and zero a year ago as well after the opening weekend, and you know we we saw kind of what ended up happening to them. So Morris, I'm sure they're feeling good, but uh, they got to realize they got to keep the foot on the gas, and you can only feel good for so long in this league. So uh, we'll see where they go from here. But congrats to the Cougars on a great weekend. They they proved me wrong. I I will gladly eat my crow. I owe them an apology for that, and uh, we'll see what they well, do. We'll from see them next year, literally. January third. January third. Right. Their next game. That's so, that's enjoy great. The break. Well, and and honestly, that's the thing is like the, the first conference game, January seventh. So I mean, how are they going to respond after a break like this? So is that a good thing? Is that a good thing, or do you wish they played a game I or two before the new year? I personally would want to play a game before the new year, yeah. but that's just me. I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll see how they respond to that. Let's let's keep it moving along here. Uh, let's talk about. We're not going to talk about Morris, but let's talk about their other opponent, North Central, because. Morris proved they could win in two different ways. They could beat you in a shootout. They score 60 in the second half, win on the road. They also hold North Central to 59 on Friday night. And was this more about North Central in this game than anything, Ryan? I mean, your guy, uh, Micah Filer, it it was not his coming out like, you know, in college football, it's the Heisman campaign. This was not his player of the year campaign, the, the start to that, that he wanted to see. You know, he plays just 21 minutes, two for 11 from downtown. And in general, downtown, you really struggled to shoot the basketball. So to me, this was one they let slip away. And it's one of those things they just got to shoot better. Yeah, I can't tell you exactly the time that it was, but I was peeking at this score when I could, when I was... Um, doing other things Friday night in the Erickson Center. But I think the two fouls that Micah picked up in the first half, too, were early. So I don't think he played much of all in the first half. And then, like you said, he only played 21 minutes in all because he had four fouls. So I'm going to blame some of that on he's pressing in the second half. And when it's not him on the floor wide, it's like, who do you go to? It's it's like almost everyone else feels like they have to be set up by someone else. And it's kind of the same 
topic, honestly, why it's a good comparison to what we just had with Northwestern. You take a guy like a Micah or a guy like a Noah off the floor, everything changes. Like, how do we get offense consistently, especially if a team like Morris is making things tough and it's late shot clock and it's, you know, nail-biting time and it's more difficult and there's not a flow? What do you do in that situation? And that's something that they're going to have to figure out. So it's, you know, not necessarily a knock on them. It's just the reality, I think, for how big of a part he is of the team and when he's not out there what's it going to look like for them so I wish I could say more on this but you know all I can do is box score hunt because I wasn't calling this game and just looking from afar but I think you hit the nail on the head Wyatt what we just said with Morris kudos to them for winning two different types of games and then with North Central thankfully for them they bounce back the next day and when Micah isn't in foul trouble shout out to you bud I appreciate it for the squad you put up 20 in the first half and you guys found a way to kind of cruise to a victory in the second half, and he hits a 30-burger to bounce back like like a you know player of the year candidate does. When you score 12 on one night in the season opener on a Friday night and Connor Geezer steals the headlines walking out and you say, that ain't going to happen again. I'm not mm-hmm. going to walk out of this gym again and say that I wasn't the best scorer in the building and everyone leaving who watched knew that I was the best player on the floor. Like he made – no doubt about it on Saturday. So, you know, good bounce back for them. I don't know what what letter grade would you give North Central for the weekend? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. I uh, probably something like that. Very disappointing on Friday night, but then they pick up the huge win against Crown on Saturday. Granted, again, without Crown's best player, we got to remember that and keep that in mind. Assuming that he comes back later this year, this is not the same Crown team we're going to see. We'll talk about them in we'll a get moment, to them. but. <laughs> But 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 North Central, the other thing you mentioned on Friday that Filer, you know, he had the four fouls. The other guy that had four fouls, Cam Thomas. And, yeah. and so both of those guys can't do that. And the other guys we thought that were going to give Filer some help were Thomas and then Jonathan Thompson. Well, Thompson was 0 for 7 from the field. And Thomas, like we said, he only had six points and he had four fouls. So those two guys uh, also didn't have their race game. So it was kind of like a perfect storm for North Central, similarly to what we saw with Northwestern against Morris. So Morris, they're feeling good. We got to give them credit. But at the same time, they maybe caught these teams in, in perfect cir- uh, perfect circumstances. Yeah, they don't to, have to apologize uh, for two road and exactly. wins. Yep. And, and maybe they were part of the reason it was a perfect circumstance too. I mean, there's that piece to it as well. But either way, for North Central, it's interesting because like you said, they go one and one, they pick up the big win. So yeah, I'd say probably like a B. And, and to see Filer just bounce back, that's really encouraging, I think for North Central fans moving forward, and also the defense in general. I mean, they average just giving up 60 points in the two games this this week, and that's pretty remarkable in a league that's kind of driven, or at least has been in years past by offense. So yeah. uh, lots, lots of interesting facts and facets there from North Central. Let's uh, let's talk about Crown a little bit because, you know, we talked about North Central's game against them. They only put up 53 there. They're ahead of Northwestern at halftime on Friday night. It's their toughest road stretch of the season, and they don't manage to come up with a win in either game. Like I said, I honest to goodness thought I picked North Central to beat them on Saturday. Clearly I didn't, so I was very disappointed when I found that out. Uh, I, I wish I could go back because I would have picked North Central. This Crown team without Cade Carroll... It's just there's there's clearly something missing, Ryan, and we know what it is. It's a player of the year candidate, if not the best player in the conference. So when you take that out of the equation, there's a lot of slack that needs to be picked up, and I, I don't know if Crown has it in him. If Cade Carroll isn't a big role by the end of the year, 
I think it's safe to say Crown's not even a contender to win the conference. Would you agree, or is that too outlandish of a take just because of this one weekend? Well, it okay, and I don't want to get dire because he could be back January 7th for all I know. He but could if, be, exactly. If, if there's some scenario where he misses an extended amount of time, though, and it's a re-injury or something, and again, we are not at all cheering for that. I hope he's back on the 7th and 100% putting up big numbers, okay? But if there's some scenario, Wyatt, where he's out for a long stretch and it's half, near half, let's just say hypothetically, of the UMAC slate that he misses, is Crown in danger of not making the postseason, period, as a top four? They could be. I mean, they absolutely could be. Again, these are two of the better teams that they're going to face, both on the road, too. So I don't want to overreact too much. Also, they shot seven for 32 from downtown against Northwestern. They put up just 53 against North Central. Like, you can have nights where all of a sudden you start shooting better and, uh, you know, things kind of work itself out. But I don't think it's out of the question. I think they still make the playoffs even without him. I just don't think they're a contender to win the whole thing if he's not playing. Yeah, I think no. we saw that this weekend. There's just there's there's not enough there. Yeah, it just feels like they don't have the guns. I wouldn't disagree with you. And who who in the world is Jameer White? Like, he look, uh, have he looked we ever have he we looked, ever talked about him? He looked good on Friday in person. I'll tell you what. I mean, he's a he's a sophomore from Guam. So he's he's got an interesting story. No, we have not talked about him. But he, he got a real good run of playing time on Friday here. It says that he played 27 minutes. Yeah, and he actually ended up shooting more than anybody. It, I was going to say 19 shots coming off the bench. So, I mean, is that kind of like, like their the only message guy who, to him? He's the only guy who could kind of get his own shot when they were trailing, you know, later in the game and trying to keep it alive. Lots of pull-ups is what he did. Sure. Good energy off the bench. So, yeah, I, I think he played well. So, I mean, well. that's that's encouraging to see yep. a guy coming off the bench and being able to score and, and put up that kind of volume. And even uh, Carter Bainey, I mean, he was able to put up eight points. He's getting a lot of shots up. So, I mean, they have some guys coming off the bench. But, again, even their starters without Carroll. And I know Royston was a stud in the first and half. That's but- the key. In second half, it's kind of like what we saw in some games last year and against Northwestern, too, in that Jim Wyatt. They're just shooting threes. You talk about the three-ball number. I mean, you're down, and you got to put up shots at some point, but just when they watch the film back, I mean, I'm sorry, but some of the shot selection, I I just had questions. Like, did you really need that shot at this point in the shot clock? Same, and, same story in the conference championship game, yeah, exactly. And, and especially Seth Royston. It's not like they were just in the first half where his buckets were coming. All right, he's got Henry on his back, lob it to him somewhere near the block or block extended clear out and let him go. No, a lot of it is he was cutting into the lane late or it was on a putback and it started with a guard hitting the paint and he was just in the area because he's not just a straight post me up type of guy, but then he just got too content. I don't know why in the second half he's just hanging around the three-point line and he's not really in the lane a lot and it's like, what happened? Because the first half he yeah. played against Northwestern Wyatt, with my own two eyes being in a gym, it's the best half I've seen him play in a crown uniform. So that's, I, that's I haven't been wild. there all the time, but he was he was really good. I I told you he was uh, a man amongst boys is what it so, literally looked like in the first half. I'd like to bring something up, and I'm not saying crown doesn't have team basketball by any means or anything like that, but... Remember the stat I had on the women's side where there was 19 assists on 29 made field goals? Look at their numbers against uh, Northwestern for Crown. Nine assists on 29 made field goals. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of pull-up jumpers just trying. They they just, ah, there's, there's something about them and the way they, they try to get shots at times, like you said, where it's early in the shot clock and pull-ups and I don't know. If they could hone that in a little bit, I, I feel like they absolutely, if they could find a way to get some better looks, 
they, they can be that team. And when Carroll comes back, I mean, they're a completely different team, obviously, and they might even be the best team in the conference, depending on if he's 100% and, and they play the way they're capable. But there, there is definitely some alarms and some things to be concerned about after this uh, opening weekend. There's no and, question and about that. And we saw for a little bit, first half, I would give them like a darn near AA-. minus. I mean, they were, and I was, I was kind of pleasantly and, and surprised. And they were still like, only up three, though. Well, yeah, I mean that is that is a point worth noting. Absolutely, you're right. So I have way more questions, Wyatt, about what happened against North Central, where you only put up 53 in that yeah. game down the stretch. You never really had a chance. That one's a lot more alarming if I'm a Polar fan. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And again, it's just it's because it's defense that too. You talk about Kate offensively; it clearly shows you don't have a guy who can defend Michael Filer. You just don't. Yeah. No, no, and, and uh, I mean that's 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 exactly it. I mean they they gave up what was it sixty nine in the game, and he had thirty. So I mean it, it wasn't like they were hiding what they were trying to do, and Filer was was doing whatever he wanted. By the way, you're you're absolutely right about the minute part too, where he picked up the fouls really. He played all forty minutes in, in that game against Crown. Filer did, so he's going to be on the court uh, unless he's in foul trouble. I mean that's just the way it's going to be. So uh, congrats to you. Let's just give you the trophy now, I guess, for the men. Inside of fantasy said. basketball, but uh, <laughs> Crown, we'll see what happens. It, it's just all hinges on Cade Carroll. It really does. I, I mean, if if he's there and 100 percent healthy, it, it's a team that could win the conference championship. If he's not there, we're we're talking about the worst of the worst potentially as far as like what's the worst case scenario for him if he they're doesn't the play. They're on the bubble. They might not exactly. I think you have to put him on the bubble. So uh, we'll see what happens. Again, it's the first weekend. A lot can change by the time January 7th rolls around. So we we've kind of hit on three of the big teams uh we're, we're gonna hit on the, the the other big team as far as like bethany lutheran goes that was up in the preseason rankings uh northland beat martin luther shout out to coach Sorensen getting that job done on the road was not the case in mankato on saturday for them uh martin luther uh, a tough tough uh, couple of games for them at home not not a whole lot to mention there no. uh I mean, do you have anything to your say about Seth, either of those Seth two Beers, teams? Do you want to say I, I will about say, your guy? Well, no, I will say all things considered, because I'm in a huge hole, he did help keep me afloat to a certain yeah, extent, he, because he when I was looking, cause. he did not hurt my cause at all. In fact, he was my uh, second leading scorer from uh, the second games uh, on Saturday. So, so shout still, out to still him. a good last selection for you? I mean, Absolutely. Well, I mean, he's he's actually third on my team in points and I mean he was my last selection so that's either a terrible job by <laughs> myself up front and uh or he just uh is better than we anticipated but um you know it's it's one of those things uh, okay not to get on a rabbit hole but Jordan Brendan for instance he's player of the week the week before and now this week he's only putting up 12 and 13 fantasy points in the two games so whatever it is what it is but Jekyll and Hyde yep exactly no, I mean Martin Luther. Like you said, it's one. It's just going to be a tough year, I think, for the Knights. There's, there's not a lot yeah. of games where, uh, unfortunately for them, they're they're going to have a lot of opportunities. It's just, it's a tough, tough conference, and uh, it, it's never going to be easy for them on any given night. So uh, they they hung in there with Northland, and and I mean made it somewhat interesting, but. Scoring points is going to be a major problem. I mean, we saw it 52 and 58, and, and these other teams can put up points in a hurry on you. We saw triple digits uh, in Mankato. What did you say, T? Uh, what was it? Triple TDW? Correct. Is that the acronym we came up I, with? I got to circle back to the score I actually said on the pod, but I don't think I was far off with the, the score that I spit out as a prediction. Sure. 
which sure, we'll get but, to but Bethany in a second. I was going to say, just going back to that, is that teams like that are putting up triple digits. Martin Luther's around 55. You just oh. you have to be able to score, and I don't know if they can do it. Anything about Northland? I mean, like you said, it's a split. Uh, it's not much of a shock. But we talked about last year in the opening weekend, and you know we talk about, at least we did off the mic, what Morris did in this opening weekend. You could argue is on a different level than what Northland did in the opening weekend a season ago. But is there anything there, or are we still thinking like they're six, maybe you know seven slot? And if yeah, I mean, I I just think they are six or seven still. Uh, I just I have a tough time because even a team that's zero two right now, like Crown, I still put Crown in front of them, even if Cade Carroll's not there. And, and and I mean, they're in front of Martin Luther, but I don't know with the way Morris performed, I'm not sure if I can put them in front of anybody else, honestly, after this this first weekend. So. It's just tough for me, and granted, they did get the win against Martin Luther, but Bethany Lutheran, for what happened last year, I feel like they're just going to try and beat Northland down like for, for the next decade to to, to try, and they, they probably are still upset about that one, and that, that's kind of what it looks like when you look at that box score, and they score 111. So Northland, I, I can't put them higher than, than seven right now, honestly, just because of the way the rest of the conference performed this week. It's nothing against them. It's just the other teams are, are better, in my opinion, and they didn't do anything to to not deserve that. I hear you. I don't have anything else to say. At least they can say going into the weekend, I can guarantee they circled, let's go one-on-one, and they did. They won the game they were supposed to, and hey, then the yeah. other game they didn't. So, And, and on the road for both of them. Because remember, you go to Ashland, you never know. I mean, it's it's a weird yeah. place over there in Ashland. You cross the border, and yep. yeah, so so there you go. But they okay, still got home games. Let, let, let's slow roll Bethany, like you said. We'll close with them first. We're going to close with them. Jackets. What about them? What, I what don't do know want, why. What, do what about me, them? What do you want me to say? The I, Chatfield look, kids. The Chatfield I, kids. The combo. I took a look. I took a look at their box score on uh, Friday night from my hotel room, which we can talk about later. <laughs> but yeah, I was staying in a hotel room on Friday night. Wow. And high class. Uh, I saw. I saw that Bethany was up pretty big in the second half didn't think much of it thought they were going to win and now i see that the box score said 85 to 82 and i checked the next morning i'm like how in the world so give superior credit for fighting back never giving in and honestly even though they lost the game i think that's almost more encouraging than anything if you're a superior fan seeing that you can put up that amount of points because that's always the question mark with them is can they score and a guy like reed johnson who we're going to talk about ryan he's I'll just say it right now. He's the guy that caught my attention this week, and deservingly so. I mean, he was conference player of the week for a reason. He shot the three ball lights out. In general, from the field, he shot lights out. What a performance from him this weekend to to help lead Superior to what I consider a really, really good one-in-one week. And don't forget about the other Chatfield kid. Congrats, man! You got a great steal. He's no, no. Hey, he's he's legit. Like if I would have saw him, I would have took him there. He had the double double against Bethany. He's gonna get a lot of shots up. Like those those appear early on to be the two guys. My guy Javon Walker, unfortunately, not the greatest showing uh, necessarily in either game. I guess which, from a fantasy which honestly, standpoint, why, with some of the things that you say, just to circle back to your point, even though you didn't win the game, I mean they put on a press and caused multiple turnovers to get back in that game they were down 17 Wyatt with under six to go I think we read for them to get to 82 and lose by three and Javon Walker only scores three points that's what I mean I I I take it as a win almost more than not like a win like that I'm not one for moral victories but looking at it like it's a win on the weekend like you'll take a one and one knowing the games that you had and the way they ended up shaking out for sure and let's not stop there I mean for your squad Wyatt he's still 
rebounding the ball and assisting. I mean, he had eight assists. That's, so it's not like he did that's nothing. That's what I like. That's what I like is that he gets it done other ways, and he protects the ball for the most part. And, yeah, so if the points start to come, he'll be fine. But he is going to be that, like, third piece, I feel like, in this offense when you got Johnson and Fahrenholtz. And then if you add him in there, there's enough here with this superior team to make some noise. Don't, don't forget about your guy Joey Barker, who you were talking up in the preview. I mean, 8-8-5 eight, eight and five off the bench. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. And, and, and guess what? He he had a pretty big performance in their game on, uh, and I granted the score got out of hand a little bit, but he was in double digits on uh, Saturday as well. So uh, he, he's, he's a guy that's been there a while and has been playing for him, and you got to give some respect to Joey Barker, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I hear you. That's kind of an inside joke. So you make, superior you make fans fun are of, listening. You make fun like, of them all why, you want. You make why fun are you laughing you want, at Barker? But... It's an inside joke, okay? It, it's all tongue-in-cheek, okay? Yeah, I, I, on superior, I don't really know what else to say other than is it going to be similar to last year, Wyatt, where they're near the 5-6 slot and can maybe knock on the door move up to the 4 slot? And especially if they're, if you have a guy like Cade who's out for longer, and let's just say does that level the playing field more where superior and Morris are all of a sudden that much closer to a crown? or a North Central or whatever we want to deem to be well, that three, four, five, six area. With the way it's shaping out and assuming that we're only going to get the four teams or the five, how many teams are making the playoffs this year? Four, are we just going to change that moment. again halfway through? I mean, I, I don't know. But four at the moment, I don't think there's any four seed I would want to see right now out of the pool of teams that it could possibly be. You know what I mean? Like, that's how tight it is up at the top. The four seed, whoever it ends up being, almost certainly could beat the one seed, Ryan. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's that close this year in the conference. There's no, like, clear front runner per se, that's, like, miles ahead of everybody else, and it's like, oh, they're not going to lose in the first round. I think any four seed could beat a one seed this year in the UMAC tournament on both sides. That's what makes this so compelling. And Wyatt, speaking of who will be the one seed, let's move to the one team we haven't talked about. And before you say anything about what they did this weekend... Less than a week ago when we did the exercise, you said, I can't overreact and move Bethany all the way up from where they were at my number three to now my number one. If I ask you the same question right now, would you do it? Yeah, that was blasphemous for me last <laughs> last week, honestly. I mean, I don't know why I couldn't have. I should have. Listen. I saw Northwestern play this weekend, too, and that's part of the reason why I'm moving Bethany up as well. I think there's some issues Northwestern needs to address. At this point, I don't know if Bethany has very many issues. They're still scoring at a high rate. They're just winning, winning, winning. I mean, this is everything we thought they could be with with their depth. I would easily argue uh, they're starting five, Ryan. You can easily make a case it's the best starting five in the conference from just the standpoint of, I mean, uh, all five of those dudes can make it happen and then you got Xavier Patterson coming off the bench uh, a guy that you mentioned or were name dropping Riley Ashburn I mean this Dude's this exploding. is a team this yeah. is a team that has all the pieces in place and honestly I think they are after the first weekend again it's it's overreactions and everything they, they seem to be like they're they're the team that's uh, up at the top of the food chain right now. They'd be team of the week if it wasn't for Morris. Morris is my team of the week this week, and deservingly so for the way that they took care of business and got two upset wins. But Bethany, uh, they easily made the biggest statement, I think, uh, by far, because this is something that absolutely could last throughout the course of the season. Totally agree. I mean, Morris quickly, they're my team of the week as well. But, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're a Bethany fan, you can't be any – 
more excited and we said that they were going to, you know, dominate Northland like we kind of said it and it kind of happened and uh you know what? I I'm liking what I did and I'm just going to say this and then leave it alone with with the trifecta at the top. Madsen, Agley, Sagdahl. It I I think there's enough love hey, to go don't. around. <laughs> Don't discount my guy, though, Nielsen. You see how many blocks he had on Friday night? You're making fun of me saying he could get a triple-double with points, rebounds, blocks. It could happen at some point this year. Yeah, it could. I'll I'll take my three. I don't, like I said during our picks, I I said, Nielsen, I would have taken you if I would have. I would have taken all four of them if I could have, but it just didn't work out that way. (laughs) Guess what? I still think they're going to have a game or two where like it just does not come together and there's they're they're going to put up 60 70 points and you're you're going to lack yeah. and it's going to hurt you right now you're killing me because they put up 85 and 111 and i mean like you said there's plenty of love to go around i still think there's a game or two coming and that's where i'm going to make my hay and catch up to you i almost all of those I almost guys just, are studs, like though. i know this is tough but like who like it, it it's got to be on the road. Like maybe at a Superior or at a Northwestern later in it, the year. I I don't know. It'll happen. They're college okay. kids. No, I know they're not going to be invincible. I'm not saying that. But. And trust me, some nights you just don't have it, and, and the shot's not falling. Like it it will happen. And if it doesn't, then uh, I guess we'll have something else to talk about by the end of the year. And uh, if if it doesn't happen and they're scoring ninety to hundred consistently, Ryan, no, no, we might no, have no, to start no, talking no, no, about. No. We might have to start talking about best UMAC team ever. So uh, no, I, I don't that. think that's going to happen. Here's here's what I would throw to you. This would be an interesting one to track. Rest of the UMAC season, okay? Let's set the over under at two and a half times that Bethany Lutheran scores under seventy points. You're taking the over, the oh, under, the I'm rest of the, the UMAC schedule. 70, 70, I'm taking the under. 75. Let's go up to 75. It's closer. It's closer to wanting to take the over. I'd still probably lean to the under just because of the pace they play at. They could still okay. have some tough shooting nights. But again, with with the pace they play, it, now if you push it all the way up to 80, I'll take the over. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's a breaking point. But if they only go under 75 twice the rest of the UMAC play? A lot of wins. They'll take that. A lot that. of wins. You, yep. you got to think they're going to win a lot but, of games. But so, what, yeah, do no. we, what do we got to learn? What we talked about with Coach Garvin and what he admitted and what we even talked about last week. When it gets to not well, cutting time under five and they got to win a game, that's within yeah. five. What happens? Well, and honestly, that that scare maybe helped them a little bit. It wasn't the exact circumstance. Like you said, they blew a lead. It wasn't like it was shot for shot, a two-point game, you know, the, the whole five minutes. But I, I don't know. I mean, th- this is a team that, like you said, they have so many weapons, and maybe it's similar to Northwestern in a sense. Like, do they have a guy? Do we know who their guy is? Is it Ackley? Is Ackley the guy that's going to take over? Is it Madsen? I mean, is it Sagdahl? I mean, who's it going to be, you know? And... and once they get put into that situation here in conference play, maybe we'll learn a lot about them. Maybe they have the guy we don't know about already. Who knows? But, yeah, you're right. Once they get into a close game, you learn a lot about a team in pressure situations. That's for sure. If you were in a high chair in Mankato late Saturday afternoon a high and you chair? saw what Mason did, what card would you hold above your head? What number would it have on it? Oh. Oh, yeah, it's like, where in the world are you going with this? A high chair? I was thinking like for little kids or something. Uh, <laughs> a bar stool yeah, no, that that honestly that that was legit. Like that wasn't just some like weak dunk uh, that you see. Like that was legit. Like that's that's close to maybe I'm overreacting. I'd have it at least a nine. I okay. Mean, 
I don't know. You just All don't right. see that. Maybe it's because we don't see it that much at the Division Three level, I guess. But did do you hear just, the call too? Because you saw you saw I the. Never did you did, have, hear did you have the, the volume is it, on? Is it the same guy? By the is it is it their same guy? By the way, that I think sounds like me. Does he sound like you? I haven't really. Oh, we had this to conversation that. with Bauman. Maybe he'll listen to the pod. I, I think their announcer, whoever it was, maybe it was a year or two ago. I think he sounds just like me to a certain extent. Okay, I don't remember that. I think it's a student, probably. But what he yelled was, "He caught a body." So it was funny. <laughs> he had a lot Love of it. energy, which was good. Love it. Was it. Good. No, that that was impressive. Mason Ackley is a dude. Like I said, they're all studs. All five of those starters. I mean, Shrupp for crying out loud is a guy we don't talk about a lot, but he's yeah. a big role to this Spot as well. Up shooter. And, 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 and a guy Zav- that can Xavier Patterson off the bench, like you said, is throwing exactly. up a double double off the bench. That's that's such a luxury to have to have a guy like him coming off the bench and to know you're going to have that kind of production. So Bethany checked all the boxes this weekend, and it'll be exciting to see what they do moving forward. Now they could absolutely come out and crap the bed their next conference game, and we'll be back to the drawing board that's what makes this fun and exciting you just never know what's going to happen but as of this moment in time i will take them over any team on any court uh if, if they were to play tomorrow you know what i mean like based yeah. on what we've seen so far this season bethany versus northwestern at hickory gym in two weeks you're taking bethany i'd be taking well <laughs> i mean as long as nobody gets injured or anything like that yes i'm taking bethany because that's the other thing i mean they've been healthy there's no real issues right now nope. that bethany is dealing with so and, and give coach garvin a ton of credit because you know when we talk to him he always talks about how he likes to mold his team based on you know what their strengths are and and you have to do that and he he likes to find things out about guys and Honestly, he seems to be doing an unbelievable job with this group and, and, and the way they're playing and clicking right now with the transfers coming in and the uncertainty with the players they've lost. What a job he's done over there and, and the starts of the season they've had. And and they're going to get tested. I mean, they're they're unlike a couple of the teams that we've talked about, Wyatt, where you know this week they're going to go at Gustavus and then they're going to go at Buena Vista and then they're going to go at Carlton. And that's why we said they're undefeated record so far. It's not like they've played a bunch of cupcakes. Like they've played a pretty tough non-conference schedule and they keep passing the test. So they're not going to sit around and wait for the 7th of January where, you know, talk about it doesn't get easier for Martin Luther has to go to Mankato like that. We, we're going to be talking about the TDW again probably before that matchup. But anyway, they're going to get tested before that. They're not just going to sit around and like a Morris who's going to sit around for a few weeks. Nope, Bethany's going to keep playing and keep trying to build it. So, yeah, hopefully they can stay healthy. I agree. Is there anything? Who, who's well, caught your attention off, on the men's side? Well, I already told you. I already told you when who'd we were you, talking about Superior. I said it was Reed Johnson. Oh, that's it, true. It, 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 it has to be because he's player of the week, a guy we didn't really give a ton of attention on, if at all. And he goes out and he shoots over 50% from three and uh, leads to Superior's one in one week, almost the win over Bethany. Like, it, it, to me, it has to be him. And, and so, granted, I just took the two conference players of the week, but hey, shout out to the UMAC. I think they nailed it. I think, I think we nailed it this week with the conference players of the week. They caught my attention, that's for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, we said we both said Morris is our team of the week. Can I go to Morris, or is that not possible? I mean, you could. <laughs> you know who I'm going to say, though, if I say you got his attention. I mean, my attention was already on him. I said it in the pod, but why had he delivered? They, won two, their, they uh... won two games, and he was the leading scorer in both games. You you, you doubted him, and, and he came through. 
You doubted all how of about, ours. How about their other guy that you were talking about getting the rebounds and uh, Kenny Placide? Hey, he at, yeah. let's do he, that. He actually, could be. let's do that. Yeah, you could do him. And how about the bounce back? He fouled out Friday night. Wasn't even a factor against North Central. I mean, he came off the bench, played nine minutes, and the only stat that he really recorded was five fouls. So he came back and was a huge factor for them, especially in the second half Saturday against Northwestern. So yeah, the junior out of Vero Beach, Florida, Kenny. I don't know if it's Placid or Placid. I keep saying it differently. But well, you yeah, called man. the game on uh, Saturday, <laughs> I so I hope you were saying it right. I mean, I hope I was too, white, but I can only go off of what they give me. So, like I've told you, the hands are tied sometimes. So that's very true. Anyway, but but shout shout out to him. He's caught my attention. There we go. That one. You know, no one. No, I appreciate what you did too. You know what? You you came up big for the squad. So we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll try to keep trending in that direction. But yeah, white. That's that's all I got. We could go on and on, but it's late. It's really yeah, late. it is. We're both tired, and to the point where since you introed this one, I'm gonna make you outro it as well. But I'll end like oh, this. I will man. say, I will say this. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Unlike any other, the UMAC, you can email us uao at gmail.com. We love interacting with you, even if it takes longer than a week to get back to you. Sometimes we're not the greatest uh, at that, but we do take your comments into consideration. We do questions, uh, anything you want to talk about. Feel free to let us know. Uh, we, we would love to. And yeah, we're looking forward to really getting back to conference play i mean it's kind of a lull now which is disappointing but i guess it's the christmas season ryan and i mean we need to spend some time and everything merry so, christmas white merry christmas absolutely and uh you know we'll see what we do content wise leading up to you know christmas and new year's and everything try to get some coaches players whatever it may be we'll see what we can do but uh we we might be a little bit lighter i guess just because there's not umac games right now but then once we hit the new year oh it's it, it, it's full it's go. on it's on. It's full go. It is full go, and uh, we're, we're not slowing this train down. We don't stop for anything. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, fun first week. Looking forward to what uh, the new year brings, and we're going to learn a lot more about these teams in the meantime. So, Ryan, close us out and uh, get us on our way. Thank you, Wyatt. And as I said, Merry Christmas to both you and uh, all those listening. I'm not saying this is our last recording before we hit the date but uh i'm in the opinion that uh we can't say it enough so uh yeah i'm just dropping that there is why it's not gonna laugh do, at do, me. do you say do you say it in july though i mean there's no, gotta no, be no, a cut no. off at I some point no i don't do that i i mostly wait until after thanksgiving because i'm saying happy so, thanksgiving so so not even december like you can say it before december even yeah on like november 29th and 30th i probably said it <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, fair enough. So, yeah, if I keep rambling along here, there's going to be some not great stuff come out because it's past midnight. So let's just wrap this thing up. Like Wyatt said, we're uh, doing our best to get coaches, players. If you have any suggestions or feedback, uh, let us know. UAO, the UMAC at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter as well. Slide into those DMs. They are open at UAO, the UMAC, or unlike any other, the UMAC, you can search. This is just the beginning. Like Wyatt said, and we're going to continue to change our best as best as we can. The dream is in the process. And as Mike Tice said, even after a Vikings loss, folks, it's okay. Enjoy the season. You know we are, and there is so much still to come. In the league that truly is unlike any other. <laughs>